Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Aglap. Of course, it's me, Paolo. And for today's episode, it's probably one of the most, uh, it will probably be one of the most controversial episodes that we've had on the show just because of the topic and how we're going to talk about it, how, uh, what's the term for that, how significant it is with society right now. So, you know, before we get into the whole topic, I'd like to thank our sponsors first. So I'd like to thank the Modern Fashionista, uh, Swagat Indian Cuisine, who's been with us since season one, and Derm Nature. So for today's episode, we'll be talking about fighting fake news or fighting disinformation, um, the importance of understanding what is real news or what are facts and what are disinformation or fake news, right? So we have a very special guest today. So she is a multimedia journalist for Rappler covering politics, governance, and women's rights. She was selected for the 2021 uh, Asia Journalism Fellowship of the Temasek Foundation and Institute of Policy Studies of the National University of Singapore's uh, Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. So obviously she's a very she's a genius. Uh, she was also among the fellows of the 2021 Reham Al Farah Memorial Journalism Fellowship by the United Nations. So welcome to Iglap for the very first time, uh, Mara Cepeda. Hey Mara. Hi, Paolo. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, I have to say, like, you're probably the most accomplished, uh, uh, most accomplished guest we've ever had on this show. So it's such, huge, uh, it's such a huge honor to have you here. But yeah, I'm oh, very excited. Thank you, so, thank you. you know, I'm sure you've had awesome guests also. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're like a. I mean, I think you should be part of Mensa based on your uh, credentials. But I want to know about that. <laughs> so how about you tell us more about yourself, but like the fun side of Mara, because you kind of gave me hmm. like, you know, LinkedIn, like school of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't go to school of war. Um, and about, yeah, so fun yeah. fact about me, well, you know, I, I love dogs. I, I'm a super proud fur mom to four dogs, uh, a chow chow named Turbo, tapas yung tatlo niyang anak, which is a mix of a chow chow and a poodle they have follow them on instagram they're chow and choodles so when i'm not doing reporter work i either read a book or i i play on my switch so i'm the usual type na parang bibili ng bagong game and then i'll be addicted for a few months and i won't pick up my switch and so you know, like, just you know just a regular just a regular fun person <laughs> well, i mean when you're not trying to you know when you're not changing the world with your genius so curious so <laughs> You mentioned that you're, you know, you have a Switch, you, you buy games and stuff. What's the last mm. game you played or bought with your Switch? Oh, so the, well, I didn't buy it, but then my boyfriend Kaseg was was kind of busy with his work. He has his own production house. So, you know, I'm going Breath of the Wild. Nya, and that oh, was Zelda. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, that was the last new game. Kasi, um, so now I'm just switching from playing. I, no, no, no. I, I recently bought pala Mario Odyssey and I finished that game also right before the election fever hit. So, ngayon na lang parang pagka when I, I have time in between coverages or pagka weekend, I would like play One World or I'll try to catch new Pokemon again sa Pokemon um, Sword. But, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I have to say though, I don't own a Switch. Uh, Rika's sister does, but I don't personally. <laughs> but I've always wanted to play... Uh, Sorry, what's the Zelda game called again? Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the yeah. Wild, yes, right. You Just should. Because, I saw, 
I just love the artwork. Like it's super yes. amazing. Sobra, it feels like yeah. a, it should be a painting. You know, like I'm the type of person for some reason I have this bias where if a certain media looks like a moving painting, I automatically want to watch mm. it or play it. Yeah. So um there's Breath of the Wild, then there's this PS2 game. I just can't remember the name, or maybe PS3, where it's like this Japanese dog and oh. it's white and red, and ah oh, shoot. I can't remember, but yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know yeah. the PlayStation, so I, I wouldn't know. But yeah, yeah, I think you should play in a Breath of the Wild because the part two is co- coming out um, next I year. I heard that it's very realistic, it. also as a I game. Know. Like you could oh. go straight to um. Sorry, what's the main villain again in Zelda? Si Link. Uh, no, the main villain. The villain. The villain. Uh si Ganon. Ganon, right in Breath of the Wild, you're allowed to go straight to Ganon, but you can get like killed after two seconds or something. Yeah, because you only have like limited weapons. On yeah, and armor heart, and stuff, right? Yeah, you can do that. But I mean, I haven't done that because I get scared also, so I want to yeah, make sure like, that you'll I have die after two heart. seconds. Probably, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I really like the open world concept because it's literally the best way for me to get lost um, and just be immersed in a different world when I'm kind of tired doing my work because it can get tiring even mentally so just before sure. you know it four hours na yeah um and it and yeah really great graphics parang minjan parang yeah the art direction amazing mm. but i like how your version of because me of course we have two different jobs so of course i also get yeah. But like my mm. stress reliever in terms of games is NBA 2K. I'm not sure if you're familiar. <laughs> with yeah, 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 yeah. So like but that I don't I play it. I don't play it. But yeah, but mm. I always play that game. Like for me, it's like I don't really. It's like I'm playing basketball, so I kind of have to think. But unlike let's yeah. say Zelda or those other games, where you also kind of have to strategize, right? I mean, you also have to mm. think. Well, it's not all those hack and slash kind of games, right? Yeah. So, so I like the RPG type na meron kang goal and there's a story that you follow. Kasi parang yeah. for me, pag, uh, I do have Mario Kart also. But then eventually I get bored if it's the only game that I play. Kasi parang there's only a couple of tracks that you can play. Exactly. Pero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pero pag there's a story, I like it. Because, you know, I go through the adventure and, you know, it's just a way to relax and just get lost in that world for a few hours. Yeah, and it's just really, I mean, in and of itself, it's just amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really, really cool. So, actually, I want to get um, straight to to you, no? So, yeah. you know, you are from Rappler. And mm-hmm. let's just say that Rappler has been under fire for quite some time in terms of, you know, um, people say, or not many people saying, but people criticizing how you guys report news, right? Yes. And, um I guess, you know, when you were talking about it a while ago and stuff, uh, in, in terms of like articles and stuff, you know, I would, in my opinion, uh, based on what I've seen, I think that you guys are doing a good job in terms of facts. But I do Thank notice, you. I mean, once in a while you guys put their like last updated, let's say three hours ago or maybe 30 minutes ago, because I guess you needed to add like some information maybe because it wasn't added. But then again, I'm just curious, Mary, like, have you ever made a mistake in an article in terms of when you wrote something? I mean, not necessarily making it fake news, but more of, let's say, a detail was a bit missing or a detail was wrong. And that's yeah, mostly human yeah. error. Yes, you're right. It is human error. Um, and and personally, when I make mistakes, I really just uh, try to... Um, I punish myself very badly. Because, you know, when you're a journalist, your, your basic 
your basic principle or your basic mission is to tell the truth. It's a we're on a pursuit of truth telling. So when you make a mistake in your story, or when I make a mistake in my in my story, and it's it it and it's usually just you know an honest mistake. Like I I gave the wrong first name or a wrong last name, or there's a missing zero in the amount that that's in my story. Like for example, a budget. Pero napakalaking uh, napakalaking error kasi yon sa journalist, especially now that we live in a time of disinformation because uh, unang-una, um, again, we're supposed to be telling the truth, we're supposed to get our facts straight, we're get, supposed to get it accurate, we're supposed to be objective. So every mistake, it's always going to be magnified in a way we have failed in our basic job kasi hindi namin nagawa yun ng tama. But you know what I like about rappers that every time uh, any of us, any of the reporters, any of our writers, researchers make a mistake, we do acknowledge it. So in, yeah. in our piece, the reason why you might also see us uh, first update or, or second update dun sa, that um, once that we spot that error, either because we've seen it ourselves or one of our readers pointed it out to us, Uh, we immediately we put an editor's note and there's an acknowledgement there that we made a mistake. This was the error. We rectified it. This is not, not this is what's reflected in the article already. And then every every month we do release uh, like a, a separate story page compiling all the our all the articles for that month na nagkaroon ng corrections. And, I, and not a lot of newsrooms in the Philippines do that. And that's something that I admire with Rapper that we do acknowledge the mistakes. Of course, you know, that also exposes us to more criticisms because then every time people will see that page, for example, or when we push it on social media, na, oh, may mali na naman yung Rapper or fake news. So, uh, on on the part of the reporters, that's, that's where our responsibility is truth tellers come in. Now, we have to make sure that when we release a story, it's as solid as it can get so we can avoid situations like that. Uh, pero yung mga din talaga may iwasan. Pero lalo na ngayong election, we really do our best to really get it right the first time because it's just going to be fodder for trolls and we don't want that happening. You know, we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot because the trolls really are targeting rappers. So we don't want to give them more fuel to do so. Um, I guess you know the the paid rules are even not the paid rules. Uh, they I think they target almost. I I don't know. I mean, I don't really read. Okay, so um, let me fix that statement. See, I'm correcting mm. myself right now. So, <laughs> in terms of non-newspaper, um, you know, journalism or non-newspaper um, news agencies. So we kind of took out three newspapers, right? Um, I would say there are three big ones. So there's Rappler. Oh, yeah. In terms of online news and such, sorry, I disappeared for a bit. Sorry, yeah. Spotty. But anyway. No problem. Uh, Work from home problems. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but anyway, so there, there's one, there, there's you guys plus the two um, TV stations, right? I read you guys. I read oh, one of you. the stations that I won't mention. And there's a third one that I don't read at all. So, you know, for oh, our really? listeners, I'm, I'm going to make you guys decide who from the two TV stations <laughs> I don't read. But one of them I noticed does not get attacked that often um, mm. in terms of... Because, of course, you know, I still see a few articles from them. And what I do is when it's a political article, 
I like looking through the comments because I want mm. to see if it's legitimate people who are reading it or if it's like a farm who's reading it. And um, that's what I want to see. And I noticed that, you know, Rappler and the other TV station, but mostly Rappler, I'd say like 90% of the time, Rappler always has some um, farms commenting as compared mm. to the other one, which I'd say is like a 50 or maybe even 60, while the other one, not really. Uh, but anyway, so going back, um, you mentioned that as a journalist, you know, simple mistakes as like a zero, maybe the wrong first name, uh, maybe even a spelling, hmm. uh, you know, um, would really be magnified. So, sorry, Mary, may I ask, when did you start in Rappler? Like, what year did you start? 2015, so fresh out of college. Parang one month oh, long wow. after okay. Yeah, parang I, I started applying actually just, you know, during those last few months uh, on my senior year when, you know, we're just practicing for graduation and just passing, yeah. you know, last the, the, the last requirement. That's when I started applying for, for the different newsrooms. Um, yeah, so I, I got hired by a Rappler as a fresh grad. So that was May 2015. I started as a writer researcher for the civic engagement arm of Rappler, which is smooth.ph. And I was assigned to write stories on hunger and poverty alleviation because at the time, Rapper had a grant with the World Food Program. So I was tasked to do a lot of stories about, um, you know, um, different efforts to try to um, address hunger in the Philippines. And then I was kind of lucky because I really wanted to be a reporter. And then after a few months, there was an opening. And then so my baptism was fire, uh, baptism of fire as a reporter for Rappler was actually the presidential bid of Oof. then Vice President Judge Omar Binay. So I was really forced to learn fast and the learning curve was was really steep because when I was campaign ni Binay. And this is a different time. Talagang, um, nung 2015, I na and you know they would go around the country and uh, a lot of the best reporters in each newsroom was assigned to Binay because when I came in, he was number one in the survey. So there was a lot of what? pressure. There was a there was a lot of pressure in my end, pero na nakayana naman namin. and um, you know um, I think that was really also a good way for me to really. Um, to be forced to really step up and be a good reporter kasi otherwise kakainin ako ng buhay ng mga kasama ko sa beat many of them kasi have been covering Binay even before I officially became a reporter for Rappler so kinaya naman natin and I think yun, nakaka-scoop naman ako noon kahit bagong reporter pa and you know as they say you know I, I've, I've stayed with Rappler ever since so I'm wondering um I don't know if it's too personal to ask, but you know, mm. you've accomplished a lot. Like, you know, you're you're part of a fellowship, all of these things. I still wonder if you're a secret member of Mensa. But anyway, no. uh, what has <laughs> no, made no, you no. decide to to stick with Rappler? Because I'm sure that mm. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, make assumptions that are false or anything, but I would mm. think that the other news agencies, you know, would want to get you, right? I mean, I'm sure they tried. So what made you decide that, you know, you're not going to listen to any offers and that you'd want to stay with Rappler first? I mean, for the You know, time when, when I, so when I applied for my first job in 2015, I actually got uh, three offers. So from Rappler and then two more, uh, two online news organizations. So I'll just 
keep that vague. Um, but then I ultimately decided to go to Rappler. I think it's also because I like the culture and the mentorship that I'm going to get from the company. And also the the influence there really is that one of my professors in Ateneo, sa mga classes ko, that really made an impact on me that she's writing investigative journalism is Chaiho Felenia, who is now the managing editor of Rappler. When I came in, she was the investigative head and sort of, this is the kind of journalism that I want to do, hard-hitting, you're not afraid to ask questions, you speak truth to power, and I got a glimpse of that in my classes with Mam Chai, and I said, you know, this is the kind of training that I want as a young reporter, and if I if, if I can get the training as soon as I become a reporter, then let's go for Rappler, because the, the other newsrooms that I was applying for are a much bigger company, than Raptor and in the industry because sometimes the bigger the newsroom or pagka, na pagka network siya um, mas matagal yung pagtaas mo or mas matagal yung opportunity na for you na makakover ka ng major beats na makapag-senate ka or makakover ka ng presidential candidate and in my case how old was I? 21? And I was already covering a front runner at the time and that was an opportunity that Raptor gave me and you know I stayed because because of the courage of my colleagues in Rappler, the courage of my boss, who is now a Nobel laureate, Maria Ressa. That, that's really crazy, of, by the way. That's I know, really I know. It's so surreal. Yeah. I'm proud of her. I think yeah, that's yeah. an amazing achievement that, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm trying to be as politically um, neutral as possible. That if <laughs> other, if other um, administrations were in power, I think they would have given her a red carpet entrance in that sense, yeah. right? Same with no, it's, it's also a dilemma din kasi for the Duterte administration. The thing is, Maria got the 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 the, the recognition because because okay. we are under attack also, right? Because you wouldn't she wouldn't be she wouldn't be fighting if there's not a powers that be that you fight. have to fight. Yeah, so that's it really. It's it's just, you know, the 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 bravery and the the willingness of rapper journalists and our editors to really just you know do good journalism because it's what is expected of journalists even if we are under attack and you know it's something this is something that they always say a lot of the people in rapper that the worst time to be a journalist is actually the best time to be a journalist because when the powers that be try to shut you up it means you're probably doing something right right? you're probably exposing stuff that they don't want exposed uh, like the drug war, right? Or the corruption informally. And this these are things that, you know, um, I also stayed with Rapper because I've never experienced being censored by my own newsroom. And that is a reality in, in Philippine media because, you know, um, media companies, some of them are, the, their owners are either businessmen or uh, even politicians. So there are certain stories that the, they don't want to be done. But in Rappler, as long as it's a solid story, we have the evidence, and it's a product of you know months of work, then we will run the story. And that's something that I really appreciate. And you know, there's all I I, I learn every day. Yeah, you know, actually, I wanted to do, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm just curious, mm. have you been back to the office recently, like physically in the office after yeah, Maria yeah. Ressa won the Nobel? Um, you know, and all. You know, here's the thing. This is what's kind of sad because um, we're still primarily working from home, sa Rappler. So when we found out that Maria won the Nobel Peace Prize, we we had to celebrate online because it's also you know um, 
part of you know observing covid pro covid-19 protocol so uh, so we're, um employees are able to go back to the office pero pa isa-isa lang or and then you have to, so hindi pa yung buong company pa only when you have to be in the office or you have to pick up so yun yeah because it's more like i wonder if she brought the the nobel peace prize it's a giant coin right or a giant metal oh not yet uh the awarding ceremony is not is, is happening in the first or second week of december pa. So, oh so she doesn't oh, have it yet okay not yet not yet there's going to be a ceremony and i think you know and we're hoping that she would be allowed to fly to oslo because uh, you know because there are pending cases in court kailangan yung magpaalam every time she flies out and yeah. and because you know, yeah. diba, uh, Maria naman always comes back, but yung, yeah, she needs to secure permission. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they would ever um, would not allow her just because, you know, unlike other people, she has a pretty good reputation in terms of like returning. Oh, but you know, you know, but you know, before the Nobel Peace Prize um, recognition of Maria, she she was actually denied to fly out when her mother got sick because her her parents are in the U.S. She wasn't allowed. It was only oh. Maria was because I think also because you know every time Maria goes out of uh, the country, it's a chance for you know different uh, international groups and international newsrooms to you know invite her and and there's more platform for her to speak. She gets to talk to world leaders and influential people. And you know, well, this is just my perspective, but bakadin kasi it, it's a way to like to try yeah. to tone down her message, right? But of course, the the government isn't saying that, but we all know that. that I mean, yeah. So, yeah. thankfully, the Nobel Peace Prize nakalabas na si Maria and she's able to, you know, um, uh, gain a wider platform and see her family also. So, Rika Sorry. says that she loves you. Hi, Rika. Hi, Miss Rika. I miss you. Love you too. So, yeah. It's actually, um, I'm not sure if you know this film. Um, obviously, the latest version of what I'm about to, you know, connect here is Spotlight. Dawn of Rachel McAdams. Yes, about I love the, that. Was it the Massachusetts um, Archdiocese? Was it Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah, but the first one that the first one that I saw, I was I think thirteen or fourteen when I saw this. It's a film called All the President's Men. I'm not sure if you're. Oh, familiar. I love that too. Oh my god, yeah, those are like yeah. movies that are you have to watch. Kahit journal student ka palang. So even if you're not a journalist, no. I mean, I, yeah, I saw yeah. it and I was so amazed because it was about fighting it was about showing the truth to people i mean for spotlight we all know about the catholic church and its controversies about how they handle priests who do molest you know um all their boys and such and with all the president's men it was actually about nixon right and the whole yes. uh and there's another film um called network I'm not sure if you heard of that. I've seen that one, but that's also yeah, that good. that that one I haven't seen. I I'm gonna take note and make sure to watch. Yeah, you, you should see it. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned these films is that uh, when I watched them, I never thought that in the Philippines, journalists would be treated somewhat like that. Hmm. You know how you know in um, in these uh, films you think this is fiction. Like I don't think journalists would actually be treated the way they were wherein they feel like they're james bond where they have to go to the shadows to get the lead <laughs> get threats um, have you ever had to be james bond, Rattler? like you have to wear, james uh, yeah like you have to wear a giant coat and meet in a parking lot to get a lead or something or you haven't had to go through that 
you know, I haven't had to do undercover work. Okay, but, hindi pa. No, no, naman. Uh, but you know, there, I have been to some field field coverages where I have to be a little low key, because um, there's a, for example, I I, I did the story about a, a child ride in Marawi City, where uh, I did a in depth piece about that and a short a documentary. So uh, we had to you know um, arrange for our security also. I was able to go there through the help of, of Oxfam. It's uh, an, an NGO who's doing amazing work helping out uh, the Bakwits in, in Marawi. And they're able to help link us up to the interviewees there. Um, yun, uh, so we have to be low-key. Uh, I, I had to... Uh, uh, but undercover, parang hindi naman. I haven't, I haven't done I'm a political. I, I'm a political reporter kasi, so I talk to a lot of politicians. And then, uh, you know... I, it's only because you know I'm very passionate and able to do a lot of the enterprise stories that I give a face to, you know, the problems that the lawmakers try to address in the air-conditioned Senate and House of Representatives. But I've yeah. been to um, Senate before. Pero, it's a very nice mm, building. Mm, it's a very sa, nice sa yeah. Yeah, it's just so far. Like, <laughs> it's so strange. Um, and I want to get your like I was thinking, shouldn't both Senate and Congress be in one place? Because you know how it is in the U.S., they're all in just one building, right? But I think it's just different floors. So I kind of find well, it strange that Senate is in Pasay, then Congress is like what fair near Fairview, give or take, like far north. Like shouldn't they just put it in one place or something, a more accessible area? Well, they're because they're a bicameral, they're they're a bicameral Congress, kasi yung atin. Um, mm. So in the House, it's three, may three hundred lawmakers in the Senate, there's twenty four. You know, in in the past, uh, yung Congress na sa isang building lang, and then I think when we and then that yung yung lawmakers natin would would hold their sessions. Dun sa ngayong ay National Museum na, and then and then. I think covering them, I think they would prefer that they not be in the same facility. There is an, there used to be a merong ongoing project to make a separate Senate building talaga. Um, but then I, I'm not so sure kung natuloy siya because, you know, the pandemic happened, so there's a lot of other priority projects. But there is an ongoing construction for a separate Senate headquarters talaga. Yung house kasi... Sa batas ng pambansa in Quezon City. And yeah. I don't think, you know, I, ano na yun eh, naset na yun na yun yung home ng House of Representatives and there's a separate place for, for, for the Senate. It's not yeah. naman an issue kasi when they have to do a joint session, uh, for example, during the State of the Nation address of the President, then, you know, they make room for, for the Senators there. But as to the offices and everything, you have, it's, it's a logistical, it's a logistical problem if they stay in one place. Kasi, um, yeah. And I don't think there are any plans to put them in one building. Because currently, Senate, where, where they are, that building, they're just renting that, right? I don't think the government... Yeah, they they, they they are renting uh, a part of the GSIS uh, compound uh, yeah. in Pasay City. But I mean, for the longest time, it's na talagang Senate. And I think that's why also the senators are pushing to really have their own building created. Um, but I'm not so sure. Ko, I, I doubt that it's by the end of the current uh, presidency. Um, yeah, I will get back to you kung kailan matatapos yun, but there we are plans already underway. Maybe that might be like <laughs> season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. We'll, we'll call it um natapos na yung Senate building with Myers. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's why I wanted to bring that up with you and mm. because don't you find it a bit difficult? Let's say something happens in Congress, so you know you're there, then suddenly maybe your editor or someone in rapper calls and says, Mara, we need you to go to to Senate now." Which is in the ah, other side of the world. Ah, no, right? no, no. In, in, in the newsrooms, kasi, iba, iba yung reporter na covers the house, and then there's someone else covering the Senate. Precisely because they're both different. They're different chambers, and their political dynamics are very different, also. So you do yeah. need people, separate reporters, covering both institutions. Kasi, um, hindi, it, it's quite difficult to just. Um, leave it to one reporter yung pag-report about about congress about both houses of congress because they're both they're different worlds lalo na pag nag-aawayan when it comes to like the speakership or the senate presidency oh, that was, you know that that's crazy that, yeah. that that that's not something that you can just cover um habang paiba-iba ka you really have to immerse yourself in the world of these lawmakers yon so my counterpart in covering the house is Rambo Talabong uh, is also a very brilliant, brilliant reporter. So I covered him. I was going to ask you, but you already answered mm. the question. Because remember when the whole um, speakership was, um, I, I don't want to use any word, but when one of the speakers were vote was voted out, um, mm. it, it kind of felt like a Game of Thrones episode. I was going to ask oh, you, yes. it, but it was someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, So both of, no, no, no. I, it was me who, I, I, I actually covered the House of Representatives right after uh, Duterte won the presidency in 2016, so the newsrooms had to like recalibrate who saan i-assign yung mga reporters. So I was fortunate enough to be assigned to the House and that lalong nahasa doon actually my political reporting. So I was able to cover two uh, house house coups. So the first one was uh, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo ousting then-speaker Pantalon Alvarez and then I was also the one who was able to cover um the ouster of Alan Peter Cayetano by the current speaker, Lord Alan Velasco. And, and for me, kasi interest ko talaga yung politics and seeing the Game of Thrones. And it's also a chance for me to insert pop culture references of House yeah. of Cards or Game of Thrones in my piece. So yeah, for me, I, I had fun covering it, but you know, it's not really good for the country because when they play their Game of Thrones, I would always write, it's always the Filipino taxpayers who are the losers in the end, because even if there's a new speaker, yeah, Filipino. But you know, um I like it. I like I like I like covering covering politics and, and I'm very interested in you know the political drama that they have. So did you take a political science in the no? Ateneo? No, 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 no. Um it's really just my interest. I took up AV communication in, in Ateneo. Okay, that's really cool because I personally took up political science and oh, not because I was interested in local politics. I was more interested mm. in international. Mm. So as a kid, uh, in the year 2000, I would wake up early with my dad uh, during election night in the U.S. Uh, so we would wake up at like, what, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. just to watch it on CNN. And mm. we were there when we saw Bush beat Gore uh, eventually after the whole florida thing then i also watched bush beat uh john Kerry four years later then obama etc so it was always an interest of mine and you know the, the thing is i know I, I think you would agree like what you mentioned a while ago politics is fun when you see what happens and when it's not like professional and stuff like professional politics is boring 
Para ano ba? Para ka nanono, it's like you're watching a movie. Is that what you're trying yeah. to say? Because of all yeah. the drama. Like, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch, let's say, um, Denmark and their politics and, you know, they're mm. doing great there, right? Or Canada, m- minus an election. And they're just talking about, oh, we need to increase, let's say, healthcare, whatever. You're like, yeah, we know because it's best for the people. So you're just scribbling it down. But then when you see like <laughs> a coup happen, right? And you're like, Jesus, it's this crazy. is interesting. But then, like what you mentioned, you know, it's kind of like a high we're in. For the first, like maybe one hour, two hours, you're having fun because it's like you're watching Game of Thrones. Then reality bites you back and you think, shit, in the end, we all lose. So, yeah, you mentioned that you were in both house coups. Uh, did you have any idea that was going to happen in the first yes. one with Gloria? Yes, like you knew that was cha- going to happen. That's the challenge for us reporters that we have to be aware of the, the backroom talks and the backroom negotiations. Because there's a term that we use, masuskupan ka, meaning another reporter will be able to break the news ahead of you. So you need to be able to get the feel of what's happening behind the scenes, of what they're not showing during the sessions or during the hearings. So a lot of the work of the journalists involves, you know, just talking to a lot of sources and having coffee with them or just trying to make hahabulin mo sila sa mga opisino nila kahit ayaw ka na nilang kausapin and pestering them with phone calls. So in both coups, I knew something was about to happen because there are signs eh. You could tell the kind, well, um, you know, the kind of statements that they're making or the kind of alliances that they're making. Um, tsaka syempre parang if I had no idea, why am I in Raptor pa? Kasi my, my editors expect me to know what's going on and be able to, and be ready with, with my breaking news when, when it happens. So, like, when you found out, for both coups, right? But I think the first one was the more um, was the more uh, infamous one, I guess, or the more, like, what the fuck is happening levels. Yeah, yes, because, you know, it's, it's a former president. It's a former president staging yeah. a coup in the house. So there's a lot like, of implications. So, like, when you were there, were you like, oh, ito na, ito na, it's about to happen. Like, did you have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like I oh remember God, the free, that was that was pre-pandemic, so we were all so we were all in the press office, and then as the coup was happening, like even my co-reporters like, oh, you know, ito na, na. Um, and you know, and while we were doing that, we're also like writing and taking down notes, and you know, it's something that I actually miss because you know most of my work now is just really in this room, in this desk, bihira kung makalabas. Um, Yun, um yeah and then you know after uh, after the whole uh ceremony was done or after the whole session was done where Gloria Macpagalaroyo became was elected the new speaker immediately lumabas na kami and just tried to do the interviews as much as we can and syempre it was the sauna of the president right after the ba so um there was a lot of you know a lot of political analysis that had to be done right after it was quite a busy week yeah so yet I noticed, um, because you know how in the past, I mean, I've been a registered voter since 2010. I was 18 back then. Uh, and funny, no? My first ever election as a voter, it was presidential uh, and and stuff. And we're back here again with presidential. But anyway, don't you, I, I don't know about you, but um, back then I was fourth year college, uh, fourth year high school, sorry. And I kind of miss those days wherein, you know, we didn't have, this whole, um, I don't want to use, like, I kind of miss the days wherein people weren't spreading that much fake news or mi- mm-hmm. misinformation. Like, 2010, 
I don't know if I was just because I was too concentrated on who I cared about or about surveys or whatever. But on Facebook, I never really noticed about like people editing photos claiming that, oh, this is the Philippines, but actually it's Thailand or it's California or whatever. Don't you miss those days? Like, don't you miss those days when, you know, people didn't try to lie? Yeah, and so in 2010, I, I was in second year, third year high school. I think it's also because around that, you know, a, a decade ago, social media hasn't been abused that much. People were only starting to explore it. And it, people were really just doing it, what it was meant for, meaning, you know, connections and meeting new people and even possibly meeting a future boyfriend or a future girlfriend. I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly, suddenly it has become this platform that, you know, controls narratives and really just uh, misleads people. Social media, for me, I look at it like a knife, right? In the hands of a chef, you can make amazing food. You can feed the hungry. You can, you know, um, help a guy impress a date. But in the hands of a killer, you're going to end the life of somebody and make um, his or her family suffer. Um, and and really, I think that's really been always that's that's been one of the advocacies, you know, of rapper to really just um, una responsible social media use and really for these tech platforms to be more responsible because you know the algorithms that they have introduced in the different um, social media platforms that influences the way people think and we think that you know um, these tech platforms have not done enough because obviously taking down one facebook page doesn't guarantee that you know that the troll the troll farm would not you know buy another another a facebook page with a lot of followers actually you know uh, i agree with you actually there you know, Facebook used to be so fucking fun. Sorry if yeah. I keep cursing. That's, that's no, wait, wait, when you used to play, what's that game you my animals na nasa bahay? Like Farmville or something? Yeah, I used to use Facebook to play the Pawn Stars game. You know Pawn Stars? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 you were in, you know, someone comes in and you just try to get it at the best price or whatever, but like, I miss those days where, you know, you could just, you know, add your crush as a friend. And if she accepts it, you're like, yes, this is like the yeah. doorway, man. Like, this is my chance to, you know, impress her or him, you know, depending on who you are. But then nowadays, I agree with you. Like, um, even back then, like 2014, I was saying that Facebook is getting weird because this is when they started really accepting ads a lot. And, you know, here's the thing. Um in my opinion, all companies need to earn money somehow, right? And with Facebook, um, it's free when you sign up, but you pay with your data, right? You pay that mm -hmm. you're there. Ads will target you. I have no problem for just talking about, you know, a store trying to sell me shampoo or an alcohol company trying to sell me a bottle of whiskey or whatever. But my problem is when they allow um, pol political posts to be advertised, because in my opinion... Um, when it comes to Facebook, you know, sure, advertise soap, advertise shampoo, advertise what you want. But if you're going to advertise something that will change the course of a nation and change the destiny of its people, you have to double check that everything is accurate. Like I noticed that in the US and in Europe, um, they started, you know, 
um, taking care of that, right? They, they, they'll book check these things and stuff. But when you go to Asia, especially Southeast Asia, um, for a long time, Facebook didn't have the proper, uh, uh, what do you call this, translators. Uh, Myanmar, for example. Myanmar had a lot of fake news. Um, and Facebook didn't have a lot of Burmese translators. So, you know, if I decided to, you know, if I was Burmese, I just, you know, write in my language. Facebook wouldn't know if I, what I'm saying, whether it's true or not, or even what it was about. And because of everything that's happening, like right now, you know, you notice so many ads, like on even YouTube. Let, let, let's not um, pretend that Google is safe here. Google is also one of them. And like what you said, a lot of these places need to be more responsible with how they do it. Yes. If not, you're just going to have another Cambridge Analytica, yes. right? And actually, that those are the two documentaries I forgot to mention a while ago. Mm. So I saw the Cambridge one on Netflix, which mm. I you know I watched and I thought that it was excellent journalism because after, because I'm the type that when I watch a documentary, so let's say for example I watched the Marcipeda documentary. Let, let's say that <laughs> right, and then I, mm. I just googled Marcipeda, then I look for you know legitimate fact check sources to make sure that whatever they say is 100 accurate. Because the thing is, you could get something. And then you could just um, put it at an angle, right? That is unfair. Mm-hmm. So that's how I am. So there's that Cambridge one. And you know, there's this other documentary. I just cannot remember the name, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's on Netflix. But it started out about um, this news agency that released the sex tape of Hulk Hogan. I, I can't remember the name of that. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen this. Oh, that one's just amazing because that talks about, because you mentioned a while ago that some news agencies are owned by businessmen and such, right? Who um, have businesses, etc. This one talks about an, about an agency that got sued by a businessman who was um, supporting Hulk Hogan because mm, he would get back at them for saying that he was gay or, or something like that. So, so with that, Mara, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hmm. difficult is it to be a journalist nowadays? I'd say 10. I mean, I'm speaking as a Rappler reporter. My company like is under a siege. like 2,000 or something out of 10. Rather <laughs> <laughs> than. But, you know, I mean, literally, um, my company is facing a lot of cases. There's a threat that I could lose my job. And, and personally, that means, you know, I would not be able to help my family with the daily expenses if, if I lose my job and it's a pandemic. Um, and uh, it's very difficult because, una, you know, we really are targets of attacks. Like, uh, in a way, I'm sort of already immune to trolls swarming my tweets. And it, so I do post about my opinions on social media. Maybe you would see, you'd see them every now and then. Um, they're always informed opinions naman. And but then even when I just, you know, tweet like a speech that I'm covering, there's always gonna be some troll farm either from both sides of the aisle, of the political aisle even. And some of these people will really go out of their way to um comment really bad mean things to you and wish you ill, wish you dead, yeah. wish for you to get raped. Or some of them would even send me personal messages, uh, direct messages. I mean, on my on my personal Facebook account, I don't immediately see them because if you're not friends with them, they go to your archive messages bar or your spam messages. Yeah, request messages. But then you know, as a as as an online reporter, because I do have to check uh, the the feedback from 
you know the the the, the notifications that I get because every now and then there's going to be a story, a tip to a good story, or there's going to be a feedback about something that I wrote from you know a concerned reader or a potential source. So I do check those messages, and then you would encounter really all these vile things being said to you and. You know, you try to be strong, but there are days when they do affect you mentally. That's why I think I love, anyway, going back to the first topic, that's why I love playing video games because it's in a way, it's a way for me to escape all the toxicity online. But some days are really harder uh, than most. So one thing that really rattled me before was there was this person on Facebook who sent me a message, took a screenshot of my latest Facebook profile photo and then sent me this really long graphic message about how he's the sexual things he was going to do to me and i had to report that um to the office you know we do have mechanisms to protect reporters we do compile all these things and you know that entailed me you know do uh, observing some security protocol because the guy said that he could see me around in the vicinity of the office because the office of rappers on top of a mall so it was so yeah. very likely that he would see me around and, you know, I had to, for example, just make sure I would change the entrance and the exit office when I'm just going to ride an Uber, an office mate had to, to be with me. But I think what was most difficult was for me having to tell my father that something's going on because I don't, I don't want to make them worry about me because I wanted to be a journalist and I, was, I'm, and I am ready for the consequences, but then I didn't... I didn't expect that my family could be affected. Ngayon nga, pagka may, may some troll who comments about my work or um, gives you know negative feedback on Rappler, mas nagagalit pa sila sa akin. Thankfully, that incident, you know, there was na, never nagkaroon ng physical threat to me. So it could be just this person trying to scare me, diba? But the fact is, the fact that there someone would go out of his way to scare you like that or to say really terrible things to people online it, it it's it's really it's really mad it, it's crazy and um it's very difficult um but you know I, the fact that we are targeted i'm just motivated to keep on doing good work because you know if I'm, I'm pissing off the people doing bad things and their supporters then i think i'm doing a good job no i think that's just yeah no but obviously that person used a fake name right even a fake photo when he threatened you he or she threatened you mm-hmm um parang it was just a photo of parang some view parang beach view so it could be just a fake it could be a fake it could just be a fake account right no yeah and that's what i find so disturbing about the kind of um sorry movement against not the right word Uh, see the thing is i kind of i'm like i'm with a mensa member here so i have to fix my my words but uh yeah but anyway what i don't like about how people are reacting nowadays is if it's a woman who's reporting right you know you say something they always mention like i will rape you or something and i think that's completely disgusting i remember back in 2016 uh when marcus was buried uh in libingan ng bayani which in my opinion is completely disrespectful to all our actual heroes um there's this lady i can no longer remember her name but you know i was there i was an edsa right i didn't witness this but i was an edsa and she was an edsa and the marcus supporters were an edsa right and she was saying oh you know i'm anti-marcus and all these things and 
the guy, you know, these guys look like titos, okay? Like people who you would call tito who's hanging out with your other titos, you know, their beer bellies, happy, drinking, sad, meat, pale, you know, those normal, they look harmless in that sense, right? And I saw the video. It was reported by Rappler, actually. Um, hmm. And I was so disgusted because the girl saying, you know, Mark is not... The, sorry, I'm just saying it in English because my Filipino is terrible. But the girl just simply saying, Mark is not here. That's it. That's all she said. Then the guy, one of them said, and I'm just paraphrasing, yeah, well, I'm going to rape you later. And then it's like, why would you say that? Like, I mean, I'm just wondering, does, does like society know what the word rape means? You know, like how when you're pissed with someone, you're like, oh, you know, I could just punch the person. But you would never punch the person, right? But punching a person and raping a person, like two different, like one is like, you know, that, that's normal. The other is like, Jesus, like, why would you do that? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sorry, the reason why I'm mentioning is it kind of relates to your story when you were threatened, this girl was threatened and Senator Ontiveros actually helped her file a case against those people. Yeah. And, you know, why do you think people are like that nowadays? Why do you think there are people who instead of, you know, just want to have an intellectual debate with you, right? You know, let's say you uh, you have an article, right? Let's say, for example, you have an article and I tell you, no, I think um, that politician's the best. You know, like, why is there no more um, intellectual discourse or intellectual debate? Why is it always, I'm going to harm you in the most vile and disgusting way possible? I think it's because we still live in a very misogynistic, sexist society, and our the president has cultivated a culture where it becomes okay because he does the same thing. Um, in my case, I have you know when a when a politician I'm interviewing doesn't want to answer, example, a question of my colleague who's a male. Magagalit lang siya na yoko na sagutin yung tanong mo. But I have experienced a, a lot. You know, lawmakers, you know, trying to avoid my questions by asking me about my hair, my makeup, or how's my boyfriend, which is totally unrelated to the question I'm talking about. I'm asking them, but they will ask it anyway. And it's always, and it's a very, it's very sexist. And um, I think, I think that, that, that really is it, that, you know, Philippine society still, still has that very toxic masculinity um, part of its culture. And I think we, you know, when you know parents need to raise to raise uh children who are you know more respectful regardless of the gender um and you know the, it, it's something that they continue to experience as a reporter ako the pinaka okay na respect sa akin is just um, hindi ako papatinag dun sa mga comment nila i'm just gonna keep on writing the story anyway even if they try to avoid it or try to be very sexist about avoiding answering the question what I find so strange, um, personally speaking, uh, I kind of have more foreign friends than local friends, right? Uh, you know, I really re- relate to them more. But what I find so strange, in Southeast Asia especially, we have this whole um, respect your elders. I mean, everyone respects their elders, even abroad. But, like, it's only in Southeast Asia that I know that you add certain words to show a respect. You know how it is mm. in, you know, like, for example... Um, like me, I never grew up saying "po." That was that was like such an alien word for me. Um, but you know, like how we're talking right now, I'm showing you respect with how we're talking. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't need to say "Miss Marapo" or "Ma'am Marapo" or you know that whole whatever "po" thing with the "Miss" and the "Ma'am" or whatever. I'm just talking to you normally. But 
you understand that I respect you as a human being, right? By, by the way, just mm-hmm. talking. But I just find it so strange that in Southeast Asia, where we try to respect our elders so much by adding, you know, all these words to put respect, uh, when it comes to women, it's very disrespectful in the sense that, you know, women are homemakers. Women are, I don't want to say objects because you guys aren't, but it's more like women are, you know, a means to the end wherein they should be in the kitchen, they should just bear children, and that's it. Right? Like, I've spoken to people, okay, um, obviously older than me, like in their, excuse me, mid to late 30s, wherein, We'd be joking that, oh, let's go out now, whatever, you know, because of the pandemic, right? I mean, we're all just joking. Mm. We're really not going to go out because, one, it's not allowed. And, two, when we were joking this, you know, the cases were high. Then one of them said, uh, parang, uh, no, I can't because my wife will get mad. So we're just joking. We're just laughing because they're parang like, okay, parang, you know, we're just joking. And they say, hindi, hindi, parang, it's like, ako yung lalaki dito. Whatever I say will follow. But, you know, that kind of mentality may be just fun. In terms of joking, but those kinds of jokes could um, be like a route to something more um, serious and something more yeah. um, problematic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I just find it very upsetting every time I hear something like that. Because for me, it's like, you know, if you don't want to answer during this question, just say, you know what, Mara, I don't want to answer your questions anymore. Goodbye. That's it. Yeah. If you exactly. pull it, just ignore Mara, right? I mean, you know, I just don't get the whole, like, asking about your boyfriend or your care. Like, I mean, it's okay to use that tactic if you're willing to do it also to your male counterpart. Like, you exactly. Say, oh, but no, no actually, calling. no. Just, you know, if you don't want to answer, just say you don't want to answer. You don't have to be very no. sexist about it. What does my hair have yeah. to do or what does my boyfriend have to do about my reporting? Um, but, exactly. you know, it, it's a reality. It's a reality that we do have to. We have to deal with. And it's just, it's such annoying because... That's an extra burden on on women. There's always it's always like that, naman, regardless of the industry. That there's always an extra struggle for for women. There's always still that you know gender imbalance. So before we continue, um, do you know Mitch hmm. Chaucer by any chance? Uh, not personally, but thank you. Hello, thanks for tuning in. Okay, well, I was just a bit surprised because she's actually a guest on Iglap a few times. Uh, in ah, I see. So I thought you also knew her, didn't it? Uh, because we do have a few mutual friends that we can just talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to involve them here. Uh, or something. Actually, I'm to be honest with you. Um, in a glap for the last... Because we had season one last year. And mm. of course, this is season two. I always tell my guests that let's not get political. Even when I had an episode just about... Uh, about IT security, okay? Which I think does not have any political like possibilities. <laughs> In terms of being a problem, I always say let's not mention politics. But, you know, I thought that mm. it's time for us to have a very politically motivated episode. Uh, and I'm glad that you're you're here. So, um, you know, with everything that's happening uh, right now with Rappler, uh, I saw, um, I think this was yesterday. I, I could be wrong. My memory is very full. Mm. But I noticed that there's a article from another news agency that spoke about you know, Rappler's problem with um, the Security Exchange Commission, I think, about yeah, Omidyar, so which has been an yes, old yes, issue. Yes, so that is the, the root, I think, of all the cases because the claim is that because uh, Omidyar Network um, had Philippine depository receipts to Rappler that, you know, 
the assumption was we are foreign owned which is which can't be because in the constitution media networks have to be philippine owned um yeah. and that uh, this and the claim is that we are being influenced by the stories that we are making but the the simplest way i can explain what the pdr is is that it's an industry practice even major networks have pdrs abs gma they have these so parang this is a mechanism that um ala, para kang nagbet sa kabayo for example like i yeah. i'm going to invest in this horse i'm going to bet on this horse i'm only going to earn my investment if the horse wins but i have no say on how the horse is going to be trained ano papakain sa kanya so when the duterte administration filed you know the, the initial first string of cases uh because of those pdrs omidyar actually donated you know it shares uh back to rapper so wala na silang stakes a rapper whatsoever and it wasn't even a lot to begin with um, and the case is still pending. So the latest development is that the um, the SEC uh, still upheld its original decision that you know Rappler's uh, registration should should be revoked. But the thing is, it's not executory. If that was the initial nilang, that was also their initial uh, initial ruling anyway. That's why we are still able to operate because it's not executory and there's still. Um, avenues for us to 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 file for motion for reconsideration. Actually, our lawyer already said yesterday that we have filed the case. Uh, we have filed the motion for reconsideration. So you know we are willing to we are willing to um, we are willing to continue fighting. And actually, so when the Securities and Exchange Commission moved to revoke Rappler's license to operate, to maask na kasi siya sa Court of Appeals and the Court of Appeals actually said. Uh, we are actually bringing back the case to the SEC because the premise of the case, meaning the shares of Amidyar, wala na, dinonate na ulit, back na, they have no shares whatsoever. But, um, you know, we, the, the, it's a different kind of climate. Um, but, yun, I mean, if we're, we're, I'm still here, I'm still reporting as a, as a Raffler reporter. So, but, you know, if we are going to be, ordered by the government to close down then we will much like how abscbn did it when congress did not renew their uh, franchise then on the day that it was going to expire they went off air and that's what rapper is going to do but it, it will it silence us not in the same way that you know abscbn is still operating to this day um rapper will continue reporting regardless of the, the attacks that will come our way actually um on my end, uh, when when I first found out about that whole thing, I found it very ridiculous because when I read the explanation about the whole thing, I said it's like that, like what you mentioned. It's more like you invest money if, let's say, the company, let's say, makes its um, certain targets or whatever, you get back a percentage. But it's more about investing and not owning, right? It's different if, let's say, I go to you guys as a Filipino citizen and say, hey, I'll give you, let's say, 100 million U.S., give me like you know example 20 percent of your company then that's ownership but i'm a filipino yeah. so that's okay right but you know i i always found it funny when people are attacking saying oh omidyar dalawanyan or whatever i'm like that guy was one of the earliest ebay investors like i'm a huge ebay fan and i know who he is <laughs> but like knowing like the guy okay who doesn't really get involved when it comes to politics or whatever in the first place i'm like i don't think any filipino person who has that kind of money would 
pay Omidyar to become a dalawan because that guy's like, you know, I have other better things to do with my time and my money, right? I could just invest it in Malta or whatever. But yeah, you know, when I saw that, I, I, I really found it very unfair uh, towards you guys. I mean, I'm not biased towards you guys in any way. It's just that for me, I'm a huge fan of being fair, mm. right? You know, good. a good news agency is someone or some people, right, or a group of people who can shit on both sides. That's a mm. good news agency. A bad news agency is someone who falsifies news, you know, does bad Photoshop, um, claims certain things, and says, no, you know, this person's doing well, here's the proof. Me, as a person, I want a news agency, even if I have my own biases, I'm just a normal citizen. But I want a news agency or a journalist who makes me question what I believe in by presenting me facts. Like one of my favorite um, journalists of all time is John Oliver from Last Week Tonight. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, uh, yeah. but he is so excellent uh, because the thing with, with him is he makes it funny and yet it's all factual. There are angles, but the angles don't um, wash away the truth. It presents you the truth and it shows you, okay, if this happens, um, this may be the outcome. That's the angle. It's facts, right? And in my opinion, uh, we need more journalists like that. Rappler is very serious, and I think that's fine. Like, you know, that's how you guys are. You want to be more serious than funny. But for me, we need people who are willing to shit on both sides. I don't want to watch news where they're saying, oh, we're having fun. We're doing great, you know. The Philippines is going to become a first world country in like 10 years or whatever. Let's present the facts. Whether it's depressing, whether it wants, whether it makes you an alcoholic or whatever, the facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. Um, you know what I mean? Like, for me, we have to stick with the facts. Uh, there's a famous quote that I'll probably remember later. Mm. And I'm kind of scared to say the famous quote, so maybe I might not say it. But it's about mm. it's more talking about um, what people see is the truth, or sorry, what people see is important, and facts aren't. And that is the scariest quote I've seen in my life. Yes, it's perception, I, and that's really why social media is so scary. I, I think you know who said that. And. When I, when I read it and when I heard it myself, because I'm the type that I don't believe in memes, you know, even, even if let's say it's an outtake from an interview, I call it a meme until I can say that it's an actual outtake. Mm, like I, do I see. Research, mm -hmm. It's factual, right? I love memes. Like, you know, if you follow me, I, <laughs> my um, I bet Rika wants to kill me at times with some of the memes that I post. But, um, but yeah, when I saw that, that perception is real and facts aren't, that scared the shit out of me because we should be living in a society where we care about the truth. Not about what a YouTuber says, not about what a blogger says. I want facts. I want to know what's happening. And Mara, I just want to know on your end, like I just want to hear mm. your opinion about it. Why do you mm -hmm. think there are a lot of Filipinos out there who choose to believe TikTok over Rappler? And I, I think it's not a hindi naman kasi siya parang conscious na for again it's really a perception yeah um 
thing. I mean, I'm not you saying know, that like, I choose TikTok no. over Rappler, but more of like, why is it for them? It's more easy to believe TikTok over. Well, you know, we do, we do. It, it's because of how the platform is designed. It's you get to consume um, videos and just keep on scrolling, and it's on a 10 second, 30 second interval, and it really just matches, you know, the short attention span of people, people today in an online world. I mean, and this is why newsrooms are already. On TikTok, also rappers all is recently yeah. on TikTok, and you know, we've yeah, been really you know, awesome guy. I, I can't we've been doing our, our our Rambo has been experimenting yeah, there, a lot there, yeah, yeah. Uh, on trying to really make news sexy again and interesting again, and that's what that's the challenge for for newsrooms to always innovate and to really keep up with all these platforms to make sure to go where where the viewers are, where the readers are. Otherwise, kasi if we if newsrooms do not uh, catch up, then the propagandists are going to rule the narrative. They're going to set the narrative and they're going to get to influence the way people think. So different newsrooms in the Philippines, uh, in the U.S., across the world are, are also on TikTok. So I think it's going to be a new battleground for the elections even. The scary thing is that um, I, kulang, kulang na kulang or there's little... A regulation when it comes to disinformation and misinformation on TikTok in particular. You know, there has been concerns about its security, but I guess everybody is on that platform now. So um, it's so in the same way that we are demanding Facebook, for example, to be more responsible in addressing pages spreading disinformation, I think that, you know, TikTok needs to find a way to be able to regulate. Um, uh, propaganda being spread on the platform, but that's going to be a challenge because, you, I mean, I, personally, I say I'll just uh, view TikTok ng ilang minuto, biglang isang oras na sa TikTok na ako kung ano ano yung pinapanood ko, yeah. di ba? So if you're not able, if so, if if newsrooms are not able to penetrate the FYPs of people, it's all just going to be um, propaganda content that you know is not true so, like, or is designed to mislead. I don't know if I'm just a tito or what, but I never mm. understood like what the why TikTok is so attractive to people. Like Rika loves TikTok. I think we both. I know love that. TikTok. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very famous I, I just, on TikTok. Yeah, but I just don't get it. Like me, I do have a TikTok just because Rika kept on saying, "Get one, get one." So I have a TikTok. I only follow like what four accounts: Rika, Sylvanian Family Drama, which is just a parody account of toys. My sister's account and her dog account, right? I don't really look at the FYP page or or anything. But I do have a few TikToks that I wanted to try because I did a TikTok wherein I had several TikToks because it's only one minute, right, per TikTok or something, per post. It could be longer. Yeah. Oh, it could be longer than a minute, ba? Ah, talaga ba? Anyway. There are, I have encountered some no more than a minute, but, you know, I haven't, I'm really, I really just made an account initially to just watch and see the platform. I think the reason why it's so attractive is that um, ano ba, parang you're just seeing regular people post content and it's it's not the usual traditional media and I think it's very attractive because there are trends that people get to do and you feel the much closer to the influencers right. and to the celebrities who are there and in a way, parang you're part of this community na parang, oh, there's this new dance trend, I'm gonna do it. 
I think that's what makes it so attractive for for people. And I for think parang yeah, and uh, kahit mga yuppies and even older people are there, you're posting content there. So it's not just, feeling ko pag, mapag-iiwanan, ako as a media person, mapag-iiwanan kami kung hindi namin, for not going to be on the platform because, you know, politici- our presidential candidates and their supporters and their networks are taking are making use of TikTok. So that is a clear sign that there's a recognition that Filipinos are on that platform and they and you know that's something that ha- is going to be explored in this age of disinformation you know as a marketer um mm. for the last five years we always said that the attention span of people has been going down and when tiktok exploded i was like Fuck, yeah we, we've been predicting it this whole time it's awful <laughs> um but it could also be a good thing if done if it's in the right hands, you know how you mentioned yes, the white yeah. that yeah, I mean, a nice a lot, with a chef, right, could make a wonderful there are fam- meal. There, there are famous TikTokers that you know they they give facts about, for example, hindi kahit ni hindi fact checkers eksy. Siyempre may mga nagfa fact check na on TikTok, but you know there are um, TikTok influencers who get a following because they share tidbits about their expertise, like. Um, Vets, for example, uh, dedicating each video about things that a dog owner or a cat owner should know or fun facts about history. So there are historians there even. So again, TikTok is a platform. If it is used right, you can really inform people and make them you know, better citizens, more knowledgeable about the world, about different things, right? Or it, it can be just fun, right? You learn a new dance move or... or you know, it can be used for bad things. It can be used to manipulate data, manipulate people, and manipulate votes. And that's that's what's very scary about social media. Are you scared about the upcoming election in terms of misinformation? Oh, yes. Um, like on a scale of if, 1 to 10, how scared are you? 10. Because we have seen... You know, 2016 pa lang nakita natin what social media can do. But 2016 wasn't that bad compared to now, though. It was. It was already bad. And that's something that Maria... That that was what what Maria has long been saying even before. That, you know, social media played a huge role in the win of Rodrigo Duterte. And the reason why he won was also because his campaign team saw and used social media to help boost his campaign. Um, and of course, even worse now because everybody saw what Duterte did, and they all need ah, that's what we need to do to win. And um, that, and you know, it, 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 I'm scared because even if Comelec has, for example, set some guidelines, you know, to adjust to the campaigning in the new normal, for example, they are ba- banning micro targeting, meaning it's really um, targeting. Um, the content that people are going to see on their news feeds or their FYPs um, based on, you know, how they consume online. How can they really regulate that? Diba? Parang that's, that's even a struggle. That's an issue that even world leaders are struggling to answer to this day. And that's why yun, I'm really scared because what if ang labanan hindi na siya maging plataforma but the perception on social media and then the candidates who have a lot of money will be the ones who will get a lot of exposure online kasi diba you need money to be able to you know boost your posts diba and really 
hire people to like spread your content, diba? Eh, kung, even if you're a very well-meaning candidate with a very good platform, if you do not have the money, you're not going to be, a- be able to amplify that message uh, online and offline in, in, in sorties and in political gatherings. Yeah, you know, that really scares me the most as well because, you know, I'll give an example. Like, this is a true-to-life example. And I'm a bit ashamed of what I did. Uh, mm. Because here's the thing. Um, back in 2015, I was very invested with the U.S. election. Um, I consider myself more of a conservative person than liberal. So in the you know political compass, I'm on the right side instead of the left, right? So, um, you know, I watched how Trump won. He won via social media. Um, and it was amazing. Like, maybe amazing is not the best word, but witnessing how it happened. And how he almost won again. He almost beat Biden. He won Florida because of Viber. And, you know, when I saw that happen in the Philippines, it scared the shit out of me. Because for me, it's like, if we just base it on experience, if we just base it on platform, a different politician should have won back in 2016. Just that alone, you know. And it just scares me because the Philippines has always been about personality. It's never been about mm-hmm. platform. Um, the examples I will use. So, Aquino. I voted for Aquino. Why? Uh, I looked at his platform. I thought it was okay. But I voted for him because I felt that he was a change that we needed by at that time. Personality, right? About his parents, how they're heroes, etc. 2016, I voted for Mar. But that was because of platform. But the Philippines voted for Duterte because of his personality. Because the Philippines or the Filipino people were so in love with the machismo guy. You know, the FPJs, the Robin Padillas, the guys na, you know, tangina, aking macho dito. You know, just go farm. Just do your jobs. I will take care of it for you. It's like a strongman personality where we just want someone to take care of shit for us. Mm-hmm. You know, without asking questions. And now, with what's happening, it scares me. Because, you know, with everything that has happened, there's only one candidate, in my opinion, and I will not name that candidate, who's done so much for the country, who has done so much with so little resources. And yet, that particular person, I think, is third or fourth in the presidential survey. I think. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. We both know who I'm talking about. Second, na. But oh, second now? Okay, wow. Okay, I'm surprised. Okay, I am and, the late, and the late and the surveys that are coming out after the filing of the CEO. Uh, the second, no, second. Second, okay. Um, but but the first second because the first person, the, 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 the front runner, malaki. So, so malaki. far. Okay. Malaki so second far. But, you know, I think that's okay. Um, That person can still find a way to inch. And it can change. The order can it change. Mahaba yeah. pa ang kampanya. Yeah, actually, Mara, I wanted to ask you if you're, if, just in case you know, ha, if you don't know, I apologize for asking this question. But I don't think um, since Gloria, the person who came out first in the survey, in like the first ever survey, ever won for president. Ex- exclude that, Gloria. I don't think that so. is That is the trajectory in our the last few elections that the person leading at, around this time did not win so that's yeah. what you know that's why a campaign is 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 not 
you know, it's it's not a race, it's a marathon. It's how you finish. So even if si Duterte ni naman siya nag the number one sa screen for no, the like longest fourth, time, he became number one. Late, parang super March late. na at if it's yeah. not February then March or or April. By then it was too late. Parang he was underestimated by his opponents for the longest time, such, and then suddenly so when they saw the trajectory, na oh my God, he is surpassing everybody. Which, it was which, too late. which it was is too so late. frustrating for me because you know, um, personally speaking, and I hope my viewers don't use this against me. I thought you were going to have like a Mar and Grace Bowl type of race. Mm. Mm-hmm. I knew Binai wasn't going to win. I knew he really wasn't going to win because of everything that was happening. But, you know, Duterte just was a dark horse. He was. Can I ask you, and I and I hope this is not something that... Hmm. Okay. I think we lost Paolo for a few seconds. He should be back soon. So I'm back. Um, yeah, so now Trump you're back. Yes. Back in 20. 20- um, Trump won back in 2016 because there are a lot of angry Americans, a lot of angry coal miners, a lot of angry factory workers, because for them it's like, how could our president allow these companies to use us, then bring the jobs to Mexico? I always believe that's one of the biggest reasons why Trump won, was because of a lot of angry Americans upset with the My question to you is, um, when we look at the Aquino presidency, there's a lot of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. He was not perfect in any word at all or in any sense. But do you but for me, my theory is there are a lot of Filipinos upset with the establishment. And they said, you know what? Even if we have more money now, even if we have more jobs right now, a lot of us have more jobs compared to before. Why do you think Filipinos were upset with the Aquino administration? Like what did Aquino do for them to be so upset with? Him. You know, I I I would like to I you know, I've said this in the past that the failings of the Aquino administration also um, led to Duterte winning. Yeah, and and that is because even if even if you know our economy did improve, there's still a lot of the root cause, the root problems that have not been addressed. And the Filipinos were tired of seeing people in government who, I know about, they have this um, I'm holier than thou attitude, even if um, Pinoy himself didn't have that, may he rest in peace. Um, and so when Duterte suddenly, and then of course there's the long time criticism of, of, of of the Pino administration, a parang analysis paralysis, right? And then suddenly you will have you have this new candidate coming in, a parang uh, parang yung ano lang yung kapit bahay mo lang sa kanto na uminom, and then he's so familiar, he's cussing, he's totally anti, he's like anti-establishment, he's saying he's anti-elite, but Duterte is elite, ha? he's not, he's really not what he's claiming to be, but then suddenly it's really this different, op, parang umbaga parang anti-thesis of the former president, um, and that is something that you know the um, the failings. Of Aquino uh, was a factor, but he is not the only reason why Duterte won, right? It's also because Duterte was able to capture the imagination of the Filipino voters that the other candidates didn't. 
which is so true no because let's look at back at 2016 so we had mar boring we had grace very boring we had binai being you know character assassinated uh miriam who wasn't really a very crowd favorite because she was too smart um and lastly of let's not include the character and lastly we had royce and Yaris, again another not crowd favorite because he was boring but yet very achieved in his life right um same with trump if you look at it i'm not trying to say that duterte is trump but i noticed that a lot of countries are looking towards these strong people or strong men it's the rise who, of populism that's what yeah, you're describing who bring out like the worst in filipinos or who bring out the worst in people because for me it's like you know growing up again i grew up not like your typical filipino in the sense the whole ball um, whatever we got very independent as a family right uh and when i first got the real taste of what filipino culture was was with my first girlfriend wherein it's very hospitable very you know you know we always eat together right and eating is so important in the culture I, the first time i ever heard yung kaim tayo was hmm. when i first girlfriend we're in like i walked into the room this was like 2 3 p.m i was trying to get a glass of water then um her uncle was like you know um kind and, and things like that but anyway um i know you're super busy and stuff uh <laughs> because you know you're a journalist and all uh and i wish i had you longer but anyway um i just want to go to our last question right now mm, sure uh, because again, this could go on for maybe four to five hours, to be honest. With you. <laughs> um, so with everything that's happening right now, all the fake news happening, um, and there's proven that it's fake news, it's fake facts. What what message could you give to the Filipino people about that? In the sense that you know you see fake news, wherein Filipinos are like, um, I don't care. I don't care because um, this is the person I really support. Whether or not this person has a diploma or not, I don't care. So what message could you give them when you tell them, let's look for truth, let's go for facts, let's not go for feelings? Because my advice to them or my appeal to them was just, you know, be open and discern. What What's the kind of leader? What are the problems that you want addressed? What are the hardships that you experienced during the pandemic and what are you looking for? What kind of programs are you looking for? And I hope you begin there. You begin at what needs to be done. And then that's when you look who among the candidates that we have now are actually offering something concrete that will make my kids' lives better, that will make sure that none of my siblings are going to get sick or my grandparents are not are not going to get sick or are no longer going to be stuck at home because the pandemic is ongoing. You know, Matalino Filipino, and I hope that they would, the, the same way that Filipinos are so at the taas ng standards natin pagka beauty pageant, siyang pinag-uusapan, <laughs> or pagka sino mananalo sa, right? or sa NBA, UAAP, sa sino dapat ang manalo sa PBB, then I hope that when the lives of people are literally at stake, then let us be as discerning, even more discerning, pagka elections. Um, I hope, and yun, and just, you know, um, look at 
principles, look at platforms, look at plans, and not personalities. But this is very difficult because traditionally, it's always personality politics. It's always patronage politics. And I hope that we get to elect leaders who will end that system who will that will move towards eradicating that system it's not gonna take six years won't be enough but i hope we do elect leaders who we know is actually against that rotten politics that we have that we have right now and will move to to do what they can to change that and make a better country for everybody well thank you so much mara for being here you know you're you've been an awesome guest uh You've taken a lot of punches from me in terms of questions. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 would, it's okay. I had fun. <laughs> yeah. So usually I would ask for plugins about your own personal, but I'd rather you be safe. So maybe you could plug in about your dogs instead. Oh, you can. You, um, they, they can follow me on Twitter at Mara Cepeda, and they can also follow me on Facebook since I do share them on some public um public posts there but mostly for my reporting work it's mostly on my twitter and you can follow my dogs on social media they're chow and choodles on instagram um, so, so chow is c-h-o-w wait let me type that tell me if it's, it's um, c-, c it's spelled c-h-o-w and choodles c-h-o-o-d-l-e so like noodles but c-h and stuff yeah but right? we feature we have um 10 dogs at home so, hati-hati kami ng mga kapatid ko and my parents taking care of the dogs. So, you'll see more of them. Um, chow and Chudo is like one word lang. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Close enough. We'll, we'll just uh, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. have my editor um, change that, which is me. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you again, Mara, so much. And, thank you, know, you so much. And Iglap will be back next week. Uh, we'll have a different episode. But until then, you know, to everyone who's going to watch this, to my Spotify listeners, be please do follow what Mara says in the sense that let's choose platform above anything else because at the end of the day, we need to elect someone who has proven that they could do something and not someone who claims they can do something but then even and even just lied about their accomplishments, about being part of the little Milo 2001 Olympics. But anyway, <laughs> thank you again so much, Mara. To everyone in the GLAP who watched, thank you again. To our Spotify viewers who will listen to this later on, thank you so much. And see you guys next week. Bye, everyone.